Hey, Toronto. Welcome to How's the Market Podcast. I'm Dave. I'm Kate. Right. Do we have a cool, cool name for this segment? Reddit Real Estate Reactions? All right. I've got a couple here. Okay. So this I found on Reddit. Um, some of these are from Canada. Some of these are from the States. So there might be a little different terminology in some of them. Okay. I was a first-time home buyer purchasing a townhouse. The townhouse was from the 70s and pretty much had nothing updated at all. I knew it was a fixer-upper. However, there was the oddest thing. There was a rectangle of carpet in the living room cut out all the way down to the concrete. The rectangle was about three feet by six feet. Anyway, at closing, I was about 98% done signing the mountain of paperwork when I decided to ask the seller who had come from out of town. What's up with the rectangle of carpet being cut out of the living room? To which he replied, oh, that's where my wife rolled off the couch and died. He went on to say, nobody realized she was dead for quite a while. Yeah, her body had to be cut out of the carpet and removed from the house I had just bought. Yes, it bothered me. I had walked around that whole house barefoot. I, uh, when you gave the size, I started to put it together. Uh, <laughs> Three feet by six feet. <laughs> there, there is a whole industry around what happens when someone passes. Mm -hmm. And if left there, bodies can start to decompose. Which is never a pretty thing. No. What's your reaction? What are your thoughts? Have you ever experienced anything like that? I, I, so here in Canada, we have, uh, there's something if there's a, a stigma attached to a home. So if there's been like a, a traumatic event, sometimes uh, a death or a suicide, that, that has to be disclosed. Also, if the house is haunted or paranormal, uh, it has to be disclosed. So I have a question. Is it if you've experienced paranormal activity or if people in the neighborhood think there's paranormal activity and it now has a stigma? I'm not 100% sure, Do but I, like, <laughs> I, I think if it's... I'd be really curious to see the, the specific legislation around that and be like, if you have seen a ghost, you must disclose it. <laughs> I would say if... So it's not necessarily the owner. Mm -hmm. It's The onus is on the real estate agent. Yes. Uh, the listing agent, if they're aware of it, they have to disclose it. Okay. There's no onus on the home seller to disclose that information to the listing agent or to be truthful when asked about it. Okay. Have you ever seen a ghost at a showing? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm, uh, I did see a phantom ghost, but that was a car. Oh, okay. So I'm a little surprised that the owner or the listing agent didn't remove the carpet in its entirety, yeah. it, it just sets it up for, what is that? Someone's going to ask. The company that probably came in and dealt with everything, mm -hmm. that, that was their solution to, okay, we're going to do this. But from there, preparing the listing, we're going to take photos. You're going to see that in photos. <laughs> like you, you're going to understand, like, at bare minimum, rip the entire carpet out. It's like one of those listings where they take photos from years before, but then it's been rented out for five years and you walk in person, you're like, oh, <laughs> like it's different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, or it's a different tenant and it's, yeah. there's different stuff and you're like, okay, where, where, where's the thing that it was, where, where are the guitars that were hanging on the wall? <laughs> okay. I'm going to go on to the next one. I had made arrangements for my buyers to view a home. The seller was going to let us in if he was home. Otherwise, I was able to use the Supra lockbox. So maybe this was in Ontario to get the key and let us in. I rang the doorbell, waited and rang again. Okay, the seller isn't home. I got the key and let us in. The home had two wings. Luckily for me, the buyers went left to the kitchen and family room wing. I went right to turn on the lights in the bedroom. Then I saw the owner passed out and naked in his bed. <laughs> At least, I had hoped he was just passed out and not dead. 
I ushered my clients out of the home as quickly as I could as I didn't want them to be scared for their life by either seeing the naked guy or worse, seeing a dead guy. Then I headed back to make sure he was okay. Turns out he's diabetic and had passed out while getting ready. I was able to wake him up and get him some juice. My clients passed on the home. <laughs> I, I, I wonder why. <laughs> so this is the thing. I always say uh, when I'm showing condos, it, it's happened to me more frequently in condos. Uh, usually a tenanted condo if I'm showing it for lease mm-hmm. or there is a tenant there and we're looking to purchase it. Even if it's vacant, I see it on the sheet. I knock loudly. I give them a second. Yeah. And then I, I make sure that I'm making noise as I come in so that our presence is announced. Oh, yeah. Yeah. it's You give that little real estate. Is that's how you do it? I saw someone You used to do, do that, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do it. I don't know why. I saw it once. I guess I just don't want them to think someone's breaking into their home. <laughs> Yeah, that's a smart move too. I lost count of how many how many people I've walked in who confirmed the appointment, but mm-hmm. in that second did not realize that I was supposed to be there with a client. <laughs> so it's it's definitely an awkward moment, usually followed by a, a, a good laugh and a debrief afterwards. Yeah. I went into a property and I was showing you with a client. And when I was going around, they had stepped outside. I was going around turning off the lights and I heard a noise in the basement. It was like music and I swear talking. And I'm standing there freaked out because we have just been in the home for 20 minutes. We haven't heard a single sound. I'm like confident the house is empty. And I got so nervous. I don't know if like music just came on and I went and peeked my head downstairs and there was like nothing, but there was like low music playing and I swear I could hear talk and I ran out of that house. I thought that house was haunted. It, it was the only time I've ever been nervous in a house. Did you disclose that? <laughs> they didn't end up taking it, but it freaked me out. I, I Yeah, I've walked into homes that make weird noises and make the hair on your neck stand up. And yeah, it can be freaky, especially if you're doing a previewing without your clients and you're there alone. It can yeah. be spooky walking into an unknown house. Okay. Number three, we arrived on time for an approved showing at noon. After walking through the home for a good 15 minutes, we got to one of the bedrooms. Looking around a bit, and we were even talking to each other, and we saw an unmade bed start to move. A 15-year-old kid wakes up. He scared us, and we scared him. He screamed to his mother, and he got reamed out, as she had told him a showing was going to happen, and he decided to sleep through it. I've had this happen to me. Yeah. (laughs) It's And not surprising, a teenager unmade bed, but they're somehow buried in it. Yeah. Yeah, it's... it happens. That's scary, though. When you're in a house for 15 oh, minutes for, and all for, of a sudden start, something starts moving yeah, on the you, bed. You're, you're a teenager. You wake up to strangers in your room. And, yeah. But, yeah, that's... This one's interesting. I really want to hear your opinion on this because it goes into a little bit more of the legal side and the criminal side behind real estate. Okay. It's a little bit longer, though, but this one's pretty interesting. And this one is in the States, so rather than using the term lawyer, they use the term closer, so just so that there's no confusion. Okay. (laughs) I met my buyers the first day of closing, and we sat at the closing table going over all of the figures. They had sold their house the previous day, and all of their worldly possessions were in a U-Haul in the parking lot. The closer came in and was lovely. She told us we were just waiting on the seller, and it wouldn't be long. So these people had a firm deal that they were trying to close on. A half hour later, she came back into the room, more ruffled than the time before. She informed us it was going to be a while longer, and quickly ran out of the room. Since the documents were all finalized and the funds were already there, I knew it wasn't a money issue. After another half hour of waiting with only so much chit chat possible, I was frustrated with her not coming back. 
We were getting restless, and I excused myself and went in search of her. There were several police officers talking to her in the lobby with no seller in sight. We were blindsided. That's to never good. <laughs> we were blindsided to find out that he had been trying to sell his home for the third time that morning. He believed that if he used different title companies and timed the closings closely, he could take all of the money and get out of town in a hurry before anyone could find out what he had done. What he hadn't counted on was that the second title company was a sister company of the one that was scheduled to close. So an alert had come up in their system and they pulled the title commitments. Obviously, my clients did not purchase a home that morning. They found short-term rental while they licked their wounds and we tried again a few months later. Every time I think about it, I wonder about the different ways people can conceive to be dishonest. Wow. This is a first. Yeah. It goes along with the fraudsters who don't own the house but trying to sell it. But yeah. I guess you're trying to sell to multiple people. Yeah. So can just, you imagine how it worked and three people show up the next day to their house that they all own? These sort of scams used to work when we weren't as digitized, right? Mm -hmm. In the States, the way they use something called a title officer. Mm -hmm. Basically, the title officer is responsible for closing the deal similar to here we usually use an attorney and what they'll do is they'll prior to the closing date they're going to check to make sure there's no liens on the property the taxes are paid everything's and, and that's and, when and, you're purchasing a property and on your agreement of purchase and sale that's called the title search date which yes. is why that is so important yeah. and so they do that and then on closing funds are probably transferred into their trust account and there's a check and balance where they probably release some of the funds they transfer everything over mm -hmm. and then the deed is actually transferred over and, and they'll there'll be two title officers or companies working together. And to I imagine this would have been a lot easier back before we were digitized. Like you were saying, when everything was pen oh, and paper. If, it, and if it's an analog process and you go and check two weeks before, and then on the closing date on that morning, three, three people think they own it. Yeah. And you have to go in the next day or yeah. the next week you get the notification. It's, and I'm so curious. This is if, what happened. I'm curious if he was using his own name, if he had been using like an alias that the house was under. I don't know how this would have worked, but it's very interesting. And I wonder how much jail time he got. I am very curious. I wish they'd posted an update. It's probably going to be considered fraud, and it's usually considered around how much. Mm -hmm. So let's say in the States, I have no idea what timeline this is, but let's say it's. 200, 300,000. Yeah. That, that's some pretty significant levels of fraud. Yeah. Multiplied by three. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost a million dollars. I imagine that there's probably some sort of significant penalty to to that threshold. Of, I would hope of, so. Of, of fraud. <laughs> but that, that I, I've never heard that one before. We talked to the, I think the, one of the attorneys we use frequently to close transactions for us, Adam was on talking about fraudsters a, a lot more with tenants coming in. Yeah. And selling properties that they don't actually own. Or rent sub-renting them out or Airbnb-ing them. There's, yeah. 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 That, I think that's definitely more common in Canada, especially because we use attorneys and now we're more digitized. I feel like this would be a lot harder, but who knows? Like, I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. And those poor, the poor buyers, that's a thing. Like, can you imagine you've got everything in a U-Haul, you're ready to go and just your world falls apart. Like, you're... Let's face it, moving is not easy. Yeah. It's an emotional journey. Mm -hmm. And you're right there at the finish line and you're like, okay, today's day, it's exciting. We're going to get the keys, everything. All right, let's probably got a plan. We're going to go in. We're going to start to unpack. We're going to paint this room. You order the pizza. Everything's, it, it's exciting. And I, you always advise people not to close on the same day as when they sell their house. 
the, we, uh, and I know it's a jumble and it's walking a tightrope and it's really fun and it's hard. You might have to find a hotel. You might have to find some storage, but try not to sell your home on the same day that you're closing because obviously it could not be as bad as this, but maybe your closing gets pushed a couple of days, maybe pushed over the yeah. weekend and you have nowhere to live. The most common issue we run into is most people have mortgage mm -hmm. and the funds have to be released from the lender. And let's just say they're using one of the major banks. The funds aren't released on time. Yeah. So if this is a Friday afternoon, we're trying to close. Now everybody has to wait till Monday mm -hmm. for those funds to be appropriately transferred, everything cleared up, and it might go until Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, so it's we always advise don't close on a Friday, and certainly try not to move to sell your property and move into the new one. It's just too much. Yeah. All right, I've got two more. <laughs> Uh, These are pretty good. This one's funny. And I feel like if you've ever dealt with a lease, you've probably maybe gotten something similar to this. But when submitting an offer, most agents prepare a letter with a photo of the buyers in the hopes of generating a connection with the seller. <laughs> I know an agent who represented this sweet couple with tattoos all over their bodies and faces and lots of piercings. So the agent decides to use a photo of a different couple and the offer ends up being accepted. <laughs> Needless to say, the sellers were surprised when the Adams family turned up the next day. Yeah. Okay. The comment I hear about this a little bit more is probably realtors. Yeah. Is <laughs> <laughs> your headshot from 20 years ago? Oh, that was one of the first realtors I ever worked with was someone who yeah. was clearly 40 in their photo and was clearly 65 today. Um, I, I think that this is probably a pretty major issue. Mm -hmm. um, I think that realtors probably going to get in significant trouble for this because yeah. it's uh, it's deliberately misleading a landlord yeah. as to who. And it's like, like you, you would have to know this unless you had never met your buyer. Like here's just a stock image of random people. Yeah. But I also think like what kind of damages are there in a sale? You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's also depends on a lot of areas like Ontario. There's you know, you can't discriminate for certain things, but it's what well, you can't, but, but, people do. but this is miss you're intentionally misleading. Yeah. That's, I feel like this would be worse if it was a lease and you, you were working with the landlord and all of a sudden two different people show up from who you thought oh, you were leasing yeah. to. I can't even imagine dealing with that. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Was that a lease or was that a sale? That was for a sale. Um, I, it definitely goes against know, for, our code of ethics for the realtor. We don't necessarily do full – it depends on what price point you're at. Mm -hmm. We certainly ask the other side about is your buyer pre-approved? Yeah. And as you get to a higher price point, it's, yeah. hey, are, are you qualified to, to come I've, see this $10 million plus property or $5 million plus property? I will say I've done letters for buyers before. And yeah. a lot of the time it goes nowhere. It's completely meaningless. But sometimes you'll find the right person who that's really important for. I find it's usually like an older demographic, maybe someone who's lived in the house for a long time and has emotional ties to it. But there can be a chance where if you're pretty close, if your offer is pretty close and you include that letter and they make a connection with you. As a best practice, we do the letter for both leases and purchases is because it, it presents our clients in a professional manner mm -hmm. and, and 
all the information that they would be interested in. Yeah. So people want to know, hey, who's buying my house? Yeah. What's their story? Are they pre-approved? Yeah. We always include that information so that it's already presented and it's presented in a professional manner. I think it also rather puts... than trying trying to taste chase down somebody who doesn't answer the phone. Or yeah, it's... I think it also puts like a face to the paper though. Like when you're sitting at a table with someone and they've got five offers in front of them and one of them has a picture of the happy family and their kids or their dog. It's just, yeah, I've got these four other offers. And then there's, I don't know, Edward and Ruth. <laughs> there's Edward and Ruth, the lovely couple. It, I think it just... Very common names right now. Well selected. <laughs> First thing I could think of. But who's Ruth? <laughs> you know what I mean? If you've got five offers and one of them's got a face, it, it might be minimal, but there is some kind of a connection there. Or it goes the wrong way and you, you look at them and I've, you're like, I hate these people. <laughs> I've been on both sides of a transaction where... My buyers were not the highest number. Mm-hmm. I think we had a condition, but they selected us because they said, hey, you know what? Um, we really liked how everything was presented appropriately. The additional information you gave us, we're very confident about your buyers. The other agent was all over the place. Mm-hmm. I think they even crossed out and signed the paperwork for their clients in front of the. Well, this was back yeah. when we presented in front of people. Yeah. So it was just the confidence wasn't there that it was going to close. I feel like you usually get that with more experienced sellers, right? People who have done this before and realize how important it is that these people are qualified to get to a good close. Because a lot of people, the first time selling their house, they just assume as soon as you have a contract, it's done, it's over, and they can walk away. And I feel like more experienced sellers understand that the qualification of the buyer does matter. In Canada, we usually see once a deal goes firm, removal conditions we usually do see that property close. Mm-hmm. In the States, right up until kind of the closing date, one side can back out. Yeah. I'm even talking about just the ability to pay. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's, and then I've been on the other side where sellers made that decision. They just said, I'm more confident in this buyer. I think they're going to, I want to go with them. Yeah. Or the, hey, you know what? When I bought this 30 years ago, I wasn't the highest bid. Yeah. Someone bid. more than me, Mm -hmm. but I I was at my max and they took a chance on me. So it's time to repay that. There can be an emotional connection with people. Definitely. So, all right. That's all I have. All right. That was fun. I'm glad you enjoyed that. I hope you guys enjoyed that little segment. Maybe we will bring it back. I'd really like to get Ken on here and get some of the crazier stories for him. I've got a couple on fire damage. (laughs) There's a fire damage is interesting topic. Yeah. We're seeing we're seeing more and more fires and new developments lately. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Make sure you hit the like button. Yeah. Leave like, a comment. Leave a comment. Share and subscribe. Tell and a friend. Let us know if you have any crazy Reddit stories in the comments down below that we would like to talk about or if you need advice. Oh, let's jump into the comments. That'll be fun <laughs> next time. Yeah. All right. We'll see you. Thanks. Bye.